linguistic objects. Greetings from Cyberdelic Space. This is Lorenzo, and I'm your host here in the Psychedelic Salon. Well, guess what? I bragged a little too soon about getting five really good recordings from this year's Palenque Norte lectures. When I went to upload the mini-disc recording of the art panel, I discovered that the disc was blank. I guess I shouldn't be too surprised because it was our first attempt to record directly from the mixing board this year. Unfortunately, our initial experiment didn't work. So today's program isn't going to have the sound clarity that we had for the Eric Davis and Daniel Pinchbeck talks, but for a Burning Man recording, it's uh, at least salvageable. The topic of this panel was the future of visionary art, and the artists were Alex and Allison Gray, Martina Hoffman, and Roberto Venosa. As you'll hear, each of them first gave a brief presentation, and then we uh, opened it up to questions from the audience. So without any further ado, here are some thoughts about the future of visionary art by four of the world's leading visionary artists. Allison and I are extremely honored to um, be part of Entheon Village this year. And this is a kind of historic coalescing of the minds of science and art and spirituality to point toward a positive future for entheogens. And it's really what has come clearer is, is that for me, the future of visionary art, because this is a, a talk that uh, will go around the subject of um, the future of visionary or psychedelic art. Um, for me, it's important for us to um, not only wander in the desert, but to begin, begin to build a temple that is based on this uh, kind of new spirituality and urgency toward a more universal and embracing kind of uh, love energy that cuts to the underlying core of the wisdom traditions to create spaces that um, birth new archetypes, the new universal archetypes that are emerging through our entheogenic experiences. I want to build the real entheon. I want to build the permanent temple that will house the psychedelic and spiritual um, you know, realizations that's coming through our communities and all the, the great artists that are making work now. Uh, you know, we'd like to contribute the Cosm, the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors, to such a structure. We know that there's numerous other kinds of collections of important relics. Because um, I was thinking, like, a thousand years from now, do you think that Dr. Hoffman's invention will be relevant if there is a human race? And I think yes. Um, we were just at Chart Cathedral in um, France just earlier this summer. We made a pilgrimage there with Wisdom University. And uh, this is a place to, dedicated to the Divine Mother. And it was 
the, the, the mystery school that founded uh, Chartres Cathedral was exactly a thousand years ago uh, this year, 2006. Bishop Fulbert uh, creates this mystery school that led to the creation of the uh, cathedrals all over Europe. So a new kind of sacred space came out of this mystery school and it was through them going to their enemies, uh, the Muslims that were being killed in the Crusades, these people went with a sense of there is an underlying unity um, in our spiritualities and they found the Sufis and the Sufis gave them a sacred geometry that helped them to birth the, uh, the cathedrals. And so, uh, you know, a thousand years later, we're still, you know, Christians killing Muslims. And, uh, you know, humanity's at this kind of crisis point. And for the, all the wisdom traditions and for the new kind of uh, psychedelic visionaries uh, to come together and uh, find the underlying uh, threads of the perennial philosophy and the perennial visions that will sustain our real kind of mystic realities, bringing them into form, validating them for other people. That's what I feel like the real function of visionary art is, is it validates other people's uh, visionary states. And they say, you know, so many people come up to me and say, oh my God, that, that piece you did reminds me exactly of this experience that I had. And in a way, that validates me, but for them, many of them have said, man, I thought it was going crazy until I could show people your crazy ass shit. And uh, then, then I could demonstrate what I'm talking about. And so, so a sacred space would validate those kinds of uh, sort of mystic breakthroughs that we have that we don't see reflected in our world that often. And so there's a uh, almost a morphic resonance kind of importance to creating these uh, outcroppings like at Entheon Village here. Um, because we're, we, we're wanting to load our unconscious and our superconscious with these possibilities of our, uh, our own realization or our own at least uh, spiritual growth. So uh, I see it as a very, uh, <laughs> I, I'm really on fire about creating new permanent uh, sacred architecture. And uh, so I hope that, you know, it resonates with some of you. And uh, we built uh, this chapel of sacred mirrors in New York City. Uh, and uh, it's a house for a lot of visionary cultural activities and 50 of my works and numerous Allison's works. And uh, this is our kind of walk-in brochure uh, to some of the architectural and um, inspirational qualities that such a sacred space could have. And uh, so we're willing to talk with anyone about developing this uh, vision further. We have so many amazing artists that if we were able to exhibit together and, um, you know, various ways that uh, have a performance area and uh, I can just see a real Entheon coming. And I, I came up with this name Entheon because of the word Pantheon, which is like all the gods, that amazing structure in Rome. Um, but 
Uh, entheon, of course, related to entheogen, the sacrament that allows access to the God within, the spirit within. Uh, entheon would be a place to discover the God within. And so I, I, I like that as a thought of a new kind of sacred structure that we could um, create in this hopeful future that we're pointing toward. So, uh, is, is that enough? Thank you. thought a lot about what I would say because I felt uh, that this is my 15 minutes that I get to say whatever I want really I mean if it's the future visionary art is the theme but I can kind of say what's really important to me to my community and I know that you'll hear me and uh, wow what an honor and to be able to do that and um, Zena said when she was really little um, you know, the, somebody asked her, why would you like to be famous? Because she wanted to be famous. And she said, because people will listen to you. So <laughs> I have to say that um, we're not really famous, but I mean, you're listening to me and it's, I just want to tell you how honored I am. And that was really what I wanted to start with was just the feeling of honor. First, I honor you for just, you know, there's, there's what is it, 45,000 people here and there's lots of things to do and you on an afternoon, are coming indoors to do this with us and just to hear us and so thank you so much and so many of you have come in and met us painting next door in the Cosmodome just in the past few days and you have um, just made it over there and you, you've said wonderful things about Alex's work and my work and how much you love it and how much it means to you and that is I thank you so much for finding us and for um, for saying that and, and for honoring us and the honor of being here and having a 60-foot dome and having all these banners made and having all these people help us put it up and having all of you come is such a great and incredible honor and, um, and certainly having our chapel in New York being supported by people like you and we just... Uh, I just hope so much that every one of you will come, not just once, but more than once. You know, when you come, make it a point to come back. Bring somebody with you. See, it's a pyramid scheme. <laughs> we're going to share this, and we're going to be the critical mass that really takes over so that we can transform our planet so that we can survive. So we must do this, it's an imperative. And the chapel is a node. A chapel is a node in the network. We all know, being here, that we've got, you know, we've got the Colorado crowd, we've got the Chicago crowd, we've got the New York crowd. Got, and, I, and I could keep going on it all day. You know, every state, every pocket is a node. And we have friends everywhere. You go to Europe, we have friends everywhere. So what I want to say, the chapel is a node. It's our New York node, baby. I love it. It's so beautiful. And you must come. We have the best time. And I wanted to invite you. See, this is how we're, this is sort of my, my scheme. I wanted to invite you to make sacred space in your home. You know, make yourself a chapel. You don't have to call it a chapel if you don't want to. Call it whatever you want. But a sacred space in your personal 
space. Now you could do it like on an altar. We all have them. We probably all have little altars. I bet everybody does. With crystals on it. You know, something positive. Just so that we go there and we say, these are my beautiful, special things. But then, if you have ambition, like a lot of people here do, because look at all this amazing art. If you have ambition, make a chapel in your backyard or in your community. You know, a community center, like the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors, make it there. But if you want to make another Chapel of Sacred Mirrors, if you want to, say, use Alex's art and make a replica of the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors in your community or in your, we can help you do that. I would love to help you do that. So, yeah, so we're down for, but, but you gotta, you gotta work with us. All right, that's the promise. And, and, and the promise is not to do it without us, because this is what it's all about, really. This is the bottom line. It's called honoring the source. See, we're all here to honor the source. We go there, we journey there. We see the source of creativity and the source of originality, the source of our creativity, and that's who we honor. It's the one. So I'm just saying, honor the one. Make your own chapel. But if you want to make it with us, we'd love to help you. Just make it with us, the source. And that's the person that I really want to honor, me, just personally, is Alex. I just would like to honor him, the source of my life. Um, I think he's the most beautiful person. And, uh, that's siren. And uh, an affirmation, that must be it, yeah. So anyway, that's about honoring and about making a chapel. I so think we all should have them in our communities, and uh, I'd love to have a chapel of sacred mirrors in your community. I mean, it could be, you know, your community center. You could do your own rituals there. You could do the full moon there, the new moon there, and your own rituals there, if you wanted to. We love the full moon. If you come to New York, come to the full moon or the new moon ceremonies. They're just absolutely wonderful. So anyway, we love you. Uh, that's what we're committed to is creating, I, 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 sort of, I sort of hesitate to say this, but we love so much this, this, mo this motto, this mantra, leave no trace. It is such a beautiful one. And we know that we want to respect the earth. I, had to, I dropped some stuff on the ground the other day, and I had to pick it all up, every crumb, and put it in a bag. And I really looked at the ground. I mean, I never looked at the ground so much. Like, it looked like a skin. You know, it looked like there was skin, and I, was, I would hurt it. I didn't want to hurt it. So anyway, we love the leave no trace motto. I also would like to leave a trace. I would like to leave a trace for our community. I love coming here and cleaning it up every year. But I'd also like to, on the other side, leave something of our experience, our common experience, what makes us a community, what makes us a community, is the primary religious experience, as Bob Jesse would say. And it's, uh, you know, it's like personal contact with the divine. That's why we're here. So anyway, I am into honoring the source, and, and honoring the source is building a chapel. I mean, that's what people have done to honor the source since the beginning of time. And I'm so glad they have, because I love sacred spaces, and I love to go to them, especially beautiful ones made by the most incredible artists of the time and craftsmen, a community like us. Oh, like Domino. 
Shaman Heart is a wonderful book. We just, there's an incredible community. They're a node in our network. They're a total node. So we made a book about them. So check it out. Anyway, I love you. Oh, I love you so much. Everybody come and let's hug a lot. <laughs> each and every one of you um, for your presence, for your energy that you brought here to make this incredible collective visionary dream um, manifest reality. Um, uh, this is my first time at Burning Man and so I'm not a virgin anymore. <laughs> Thank you. And it's been this unbelievable experience for me. I, um, there's nothing that can prepare you for this, and um, I guess that goes for the visionary experience as well. Um, I came here with an open mind, and I had no idea how much love I would be receiving over the course of these days, and it's been, oh, I don't know, it's just, um, I can't separate myself from our youths because people just keep streaming in and just bring so much to us. And um, this is what makes it all worthwhile for me because when I create, I create in my own environment. It's it's an um, it's an experience that happens in um, isolation pretty much. But when I come out and I I'm able to share, um, then my work really becomes uh, real, becomes alive, and um, and I'm learning so much more about what I've been doing because. Um, the painting experience, the channeling experience, I work very much through um, opening myself up. I guess um, that works for everyone here. Um, I see myself as a tool more than a doer. Um, everything that happens, happens um, very automatic. Um, it's just, uh, I trust that whatever residue is there from my shamanic experiences will be residing inside of me until the perfect time uh, is there for me to um, let these experiences and message messages resurface. Um, and they come back when the time is right, when the message is important to the community, to my community, to the community at large, and for myself. And having you come in into that space and basically explaining to me over and over again what it is that I do is so incredibly validating. So I really, really want to thank you for that. And um, um, this is such an incredible experiment, Burning Man. And I think just to come back to the idea of uh, um, uh, the uh, future of visionary art. Um, I think this is the future of visionary art. Events such as these need to be happening all over the planet. And we are, um, I mean, it's incredible to see 40,000 um, freaks in brackets um, being so incredibly beautiful. I mean, look at yourselves, you know. Aren't we a gorgeous community? So um, 40,000 people in the desert creating this reality together. And, um, but at the same time, what I would like to really say is, how do we, how do we take this, this experience, this, this energy, this, this, 
this fusion, this union, this, this incredible symbiosis? How do we take this reality and how do we bring it into our worlds? Um, I know so many of you out there are doing incredible stuff, incredible work, uh, but it is so important to really pay attention to how we bridge this gap. How do we take this that is potentially very frightening to a lot of people out there? I mean, let's face it, people are very, very scared of who we are and what we represent. They're scared of this openness. They're scared of the visionary experience. And I'm not just talking substance. I'm talking about this energy. You know, being in touch with the divine as, as often as we can be um, is, is such a blessing to us and we know how sacred this is and how incredibly uh, nurturing and, and sheltering. But people out there, they're just so scared, scared shitless. So we need to find ways to um, bring this Shangri-La to them and certainly Alex and Allison have created this beautiful space. Um, Robert and I are, have been working conceptually on a space, on a very similar space in a different location. And um, so this is something that I would like to put out to all of you, just like Alison. I want to say, you know, make your own worlds and create your own spaces and, and create these shelters and introduce people in a, in a beautiful, non-threatening way. Um, I think another important point is, I mean, I'm, I'm always so amazed at how insecure people are about their own creativity. I'm so amazed at how many people come to me and they say, you know, I'm, I'm really, I don't, I don't know how to do anything. I've never created or I'm, I'm not there or, and to, to bring um, this, uh, this security to, the, to, to everybody who comes to the workshop and, and allowing people to understand that we are the co-creators and we are so powerful. And this, is, this needs to be done with love. Everybody needs to know that they can create. We can. And this is, once again, this is such an incredible um, uh, example for what is really possible. And so I would like to stress that. This is something I need to say. Be creative in your lives and open yourself up. Don't say, this is not possible. Everything is possible. Everything is possible. This, the potential is there, and as soon as we allow, as soon as we open that portal and, and admit that the, the potential is endless, limitless, it is possible, and we can just go wherever we want to go. So this is another very important point that I wanted to stress. So let's bridge this gap, let's introduce the communities out there, let's turn on our communities out there and allow them to become co-creators and let's allow them to be empowered by creativity. And um, another thing that is also interesting, if we look at um, the, um, uh, the uh, I think the, the Western world has been ailing from um, a lack of, of tribal community. This is, this is the fundamental disease that we have in the Western world. So, um, and the, the tribal community, the tribal cultures have never been able to eradicate it, uh, to, be, to be eradicated, thank God. They just went underground. And it's interesting to see how the visionaries throughout the ages have really carried the torch and they have been the ones who have just carried the, the sacred knowledge and against the odds have worked in the shadows but it can never be stamped out because the source is infinite and it lives always and so here we are. But it's important to remember that, that we are the visionaries that bring this 
and uh, and we are the we are the, the mystery keepers. So I um, I really encourage everybody to do the good work out there. And something that is really um, is very powerful at the at the heart of my work is the sacred feminine. And I see this this goes to the sisters. There's a lot of women out there who are so amazingly creative, and I know. Women, we are the mothers, the nurturers, and so many times all of our energy goes into making the families, you know, creating these beautiful beings that will be the future of our planet. But at the same time, we have reached a different place on this planet where the feminine voice needs to be made more visible. We need to go out, yes. And I've talked about this to many people because I've painted things like the Goddess Triangle to honor the co-creative um, abilities of women and this is my sacred, my altar to the feminine and I pay deep respect and people come, women especially ask me, have you had children and I've raised Robert's daughter so I've been a mother but I conscientiously decided not to have a child because I realized that all my energy would go into this child to, to a point where I would not have been able to create the work I have created and so I see and, I, and so I want to honor all of you sisters out there who are taking this path, and it's a very difficult de decision to make, and, but I want to encourage you, if this is your calling, then go with it, and luckily we don't have the pressure anymore to be um, solely identified through motherhood as women, so this is just another path, and here we are, and we have options. Thank you. pretty much what I have to say and I think we'll have a big uh, a group discussion afterwards and I just really invite you to come out and share with us what, uh, what your ideas are. So here's Robert. I'm sorry. Uh, they, we do them in different places uh, or in different countries so if you would like to uh, let us know about your contact in our year you can give us your email address and we'll just put you on the mailing list. I know this shouldn't be a, a place for plugging events but um, yeah just just let us know and uh, we'd love to have you. Thank you. That's a tough act to follow, I'll tell you. <laughs> How did I become the cleanup hitter here? Anyway, I just want to say, first of all, that I've been to a number of these events all over the world, and I can honestly and truly say that... Roberto, if you move to the middle just a little bit more, I this think... This right here? Yeah, I think that should do how's it. How's this, okay? Perfect. That, I have never been in the company of such a collection of higher selves like yourselves. You're incredible, beautiful, full of love, life, and I just love to be in that year, sucking it all in, absorbing it. Thank you very much, and thank you for having us. Uh, okay, it's, it's about visionary art, but if you walk out that door, you walk into surrealism, absolute surrealism. Dolly would have loved Burning Man. He would have, well, you could have called it Bollywood, something like that means, you know. Anyway, visionary art. Well, I mean, visionary art has always been with us, and it would most probably always be with us. 
uh, you're starting with the cave paintings and the Aboriginal Dreamtime paintings, uh, hieroglyphs, petroglyphs, going on up to a uh, great-grandfather of uh, visionary art, Hieronymus Bosch. Uh, then you move up to William Blake, pre-Raphaelites, who uh, their visions were beauty, mythology, and they did it with incredible hand. Um, coming on up to uh, Dada, which tried to radicalize the mind through art because of the World War I, tried to bring people back to some level, even if it was insanity. And um, then you had surrealism, which was a fantastic movement. And certainly Salvador Dali was, was on the forefront of that. Can you hear it? Is it me or the mic? I don't know. Okay, uh, how's this? <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so we were at uh, surrealism, and then we come up to after the war, then you had uh, the, the fantastic realists in Vienna. Uh, so there was a school that started there, and they also tried to work out the pain, anguish of war, but doing it in a very incredible, visionary way. And they were a tremendous inspiration to me personally and to many other artists. And then, um, then you had the psychedelic artists comes in, uh, coming in in the 60s, and that was a tremendous movement uh, with you know, artists like Monte Clawine, Isaac Abrams. And uh, yeah, so now you have today. And you look around you and you see that there's this burgeoning, fantastic group of young visionary artists. So my hope for the future is like limitless. So, you know, we're surrounded by, by all this visionary art. And I'd like to take that a step further, and you can battle me on this, but if you think of what is surrounding you, uh, this dome, that truss, your shirt, your shoes, uh, you have the iron at home, you have the pyramids, everything and anything that is not nature-made has been made by a visionary. First it was a thought, then a design, and then made manifest. That was the visionary, that was the artist who's done that. Your life surrounding you is because of visionary art and artists. And uh, cultures were created because of visionary art. And so that's why my hope for the future is such. And um, I mean, visionary art to me is a form of a roadmap uh, that leads our higher selves to the source and center of the great unknowable. And uh, we all relate to anything or anyone who is following that path. We see it in the year all the time, and we hear it, we get this incredible comments coming back and feedback, and we see that people are just starved for this expansion of their consciousness. And it's such a, a pleasure to, to discuss the art and beyond with them. And all of those of you who have come in, I want to thank you very much for opening up my mind. And I'm going to leave uh, the man with a lot of new inspirations, a lot of new love, a lot of tremendous amount of new friends. And um, we invite you to keep coming. It's open. And bless your souls, all of you. Love you. some uh, questions raised uh, during our 
kind of discussions that would uh, bear further discussion uh, for a few moments? Or should we just turn to uh, questions from the audience? Yeah. Yeah. We love you guys too. Okay. Hey, yeah. All right. Yeah. There's one right here. Uh, Martina had mentioned her shamanic visions, and uh, I was just wondering uh, how anyone on the panel feels about how visionary art can be used in a healing modality, much like shamans would go and find, uh, find visions on their journeys and uh, come back with healing for the tribe. How can, how can uh, we as visionary artists uh, go ahead and do that for our tribe? I think that's exactly what's happening with it. Um, just because there is a, a similar kind of journeying that goes on, uh, taking the entheogen, visiting these other dimensions, coming back and giving a shot at trying to uh, uh, fix a facsimile of these multi-dimensional experiences into a two-dimensional plane as a painter, you know. What, what's shocking to me is that people recognize it at all, you know, uh, given the distance from, you know, the actual uh, download. But nevertheless, um, I think that the, uh, the discovery of these uh, new icons uh, and the sharing of them uh, it furthers the visionary meme, you know, and uh, it's a, uh, it is a shamanic uh, um, kind, uh, kind of, uh, it parallels that in some way. The healing that goes on in the community, we want to find new ways to realign ourselves with uh, this creative and centering uh, energy or you know, self-discovering kind of uh, energy. I mean, we created the Chapel of Sacred Mirrors as a kind of journey uh, to wholeness and to, you know, conscience as well as consciousness. And uh, so there are ways that you can display your work in a, in a kind of journey uh, or think of your work in that way. And uh, the, uh, you know, the, the mystery with art is that it is an alchemical process that the darker and uh, scarier elements uh, may at one time uh, appear evil and bad, and at other times we may see them as es essential to uh, self-discovery in some way and learning lessons. So you integrate all these various kinds of uh, circuitous paths that we have to uh, go, and by affirming the higher possibility that we continually have uh, in your tattoo work, in your, uh, you know, in whatever way, you, the websites you build and things like that, there's ways of, of uh, continuing to evolve the collective vision, I think, as, as any artist or any creative person, even a conversation or a look or what you wear can be a creative decision. You know, so as as is demonstrated, you know. So anyway, I've said enough. Uh, yeah, I think you were referring to. Um, I just wanted to address the question 
really directly. You, you, you were talking about, do I understand it correctly, when you said, um, how can we use these images that we, or the information, and how can we bring the images back and use them directly for healing? Okay, I got it. Okay, so what I, what I found is that um, in, my, in my work, um, uh, when I do bring back a vision, um, it, uh, I find that, well, it is, it is direct energy manifested and by, by anchoring it down in the visual form, I find that um, it really comes to live here. And, um, and um, I've noticed that uh, sometimes in my portrait work, there's some interesting thing that happens where I'm getting a lot of information about the person more if I know them, but even if I don't know them very well, I will um, uh, channel a lot of subtleties. And um, I've had people um, ask me, well, how could you possibly know about, how, how could you possibly know this about me? And I would say, well, I really don't. I just, you know, it just manifested itself. So I, discovering this tool, um, I started to um, intentionally put certain things into my paintings that um, uh, that would help somebody heal or um, uh, yeah help their journey of healing and um, it reminded me your question reminded me a little bit also about the Shipibo Indians and their beautiful pattern work and uh, well they do it very actively you know they have the we all have a pattern and I think it's beautiful to really look into that and see what, what are our patterns, discover your own visual patterns and work with them because I think that's really, really healing and uh, keep those patterns um, intact, just the way the Shipibo sing the patterns alive and, and whole. And I think we can do that with art, so, yeah. What she said. Uh, plus, uh, I'd like to make you understand that being a painter is a very solitary activity. It's just you and the canvas. So, you know, to come out and uh, to gather all this nourishment from you all, it's very healing for us. Uh, but in that act of painting, it's also a tremendous act of meditation. You lose yourself completely when you're painting. It's just you and that canvas, it's a, it's a love-making act. I've seen my brush move by itself at times. And uh, in that meditation, there's a power that enters through some other force, higher, higher force, I'm sure. It goes into my system, and it goes onto that canvas. And that power and that love and dedication is reflected on, uh, into and onto the observer. And I've had many experiences where people have reacted very physically to the artwork. Uh, I've even seen a few miracles based on somebody having a work of art and throwing away a crutch or two, believe it or not, that's true. So it's that energy that we gather as artists, we're sort of energy uh, forces, uh, you know, conductors of energy, let's put it that way, channels. And it's very uh, important that we know our trade very well, our technique, we have to know our tools very well, and then the love goes into that, and that healing element. So many cases, people look at art, they don't see it, but in many cases, people look at art, especially visionary art I'm talking about, and it affects them. I've seen people walk in that, and start crying immediately. Why? 
It's hitting. Art is an emotional experience. You cannot intellectualize it. Don't let anybody tell you they can. It hits you in your solar plexus and runs through your whole system, electrifies you, and that's where the healing starts. Now I'd like to take another question. I was, uh, I was wondering specifically if you could discuss celtic devices and um, how to find out uh, information, where the information sources are on those devices. I know they're spiritual, but I'd also like to elaborate on them. you want to elaborate? Well, I'd like you to elaborate. <laughs> the, the panel, yeah, all of you. Well, what I know about celtic devices are that the Dominarian people make them. I mean, you, you probably know more about it than I do, and I went there, but uh, they make these devices and jewelry and, and uh, room, rooms of, of these sort of uh, strange sculptures that uh, draw energy. I think you could talk about it better, so here, I'm going to like hand it over to you. This is, this is part of the central, this is their energy. This is what they call energy. People have been calling it prana, people call it whatever. There's lots of, every culture has a different name for energy, you know, different scientists call it, uh, you know, whatever. What was Wilhelm Reich's word for it? Orgone, right, orgone. So anyway, here's, here's a second. Selfic devices. They have a selfic room here. Well, um, I think they were sort of purposefully ambiguous about it when I asked them, uh, and uh, from what I gather, the Dominarians consider uh, the Selfica perhaps a, a, a living uh, but interdimensional kind of uh, entity that is somehow in contact with them. And they built this temple, I believe, uh, to, uh, I don't know, house the Selfica in some way and these, uh, the jewelry and the other sculptures and things like that are kind of emanations from that uh, point of contact. And so they uh, surrounded their entire temple with uh, tons of copper wiring. And uh, so the Selfica tend to like copper wiring. Now, I, I can't explain it. I, I can't vouch for it even, uh, but I did think it made some cool sculpture and uh, and jewelry and uh, we pictured it here and I think that it's a um, it's it's something that is that borderline between uh, you know uh, bioenergy bioenergetics and uh, uh, mind machines and things like that and so it's a it's a fascinating subject but uh, uh, and perhaps it has something to do with the future of visionary art but I'm not sure. Uh, the question was, um, uh, how do we bridge the gap between uh, the visionary art world and the mainstream art world? And there was a huge gap. Um, well, um, yeah, how do we do this? I mean, how do we bring um, this appreciation that we all have for the experiences and their expressions in art, how do we... Um, introduce this appreciation to mainstream art world. How do we um, twist the minds of the collectors and um, um, 
um, name makers, the business makers, the Wall Street types who, um, you know, who decide for us what we're supposed to like and what has value and what doesn't. Um, so it's a, I don't know how to answer that question because it's obviously um, a wall that we've been running into for as long as we've been doing this and I'm sure that everybody, every other artist in this room has had that same experience. So um, I guess just by doing what we do and maybe creating spaces, well I mean the experience that I get is even in a in a setting that is very, very different from this, in a very uh, mainstream setting. I've shown my work in places where a woman comes up to the painting and looks at my card in the web and she says, well, wow, she says, what is this? And I say, well, it's something that has to do with uh, uh, journeying into um, the deeper dimensions and it's about finding, about finding out about your spirit. And she says, well, can you explain this? And what it, how do you do it? And how do you, you know, how do you get in touch with these states? And so, so I find that the, the art itself um, um, uh, ignites a spark um, in, in, in many people, maybe not everybody, some people just go and come. I've seen people come into to a space looking at the work and they turned around and they said, wow, this is really bad. I had one person and only one person here came in and they, they looked through the, the door of the yurt and they said, well, this is pretty, this is sort of interesting, but a lot of it is, looks really evil. So, so that's, you know, it's probably not everybody's cup of tea and it is, it is frightening, but I think that just, just trying to get out there and doing, creating the spaces that Alex and Allison have created and, and allowing people the, um, 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 the space to um, emerge themselves in, in, um, in this sanctuary is, uh, is a good first step. And we need so many more of these because the, the galleries, if you, if you look at a very, um, uh, uh, amazing gallery. I mean, the, the major galleries in New York, for example, they won't they won't touch this type of work. They won't. It's just at least not now. But there's hope. I mean, I've seen we've we've all seen uh, the uh, they, there's, there have been an, an incredible amount of exhibitions um, over the last few years. They've been uh, that sort of go into the direction of visionary art. They've been the surrealism shows at the Tate, at the Bobo in Paris. Tate London, uh, the Bobo in Paris, in Germany, uh, at the Metropolitan Museum. There were shows at the Guggenheim. There was another surrealism show. And so basically, I mean, there is, a, something is happening. So I'm, I have hope. So I guess just keeping up the good work is the answer. I don't know. I think the, um, one of the things is I've noticed the uh, psychedelization of the contemporary art world for uh, years, you know, it's been probably creeping up on them for 10 years or so uh, but and, and, and in fact it's never gone away, of course, when we look at Keith Haring and people who were completely mainstream were uh, extremely psychedelic as well, so um, I, I think that uh, we can look at Fred Tomaselli's work and uh, numerous other artists, uh, Murakami. Uh, there, there's there's quite a few artists, uh, Marika Mori, uh, who are very successful in a in a kind of 
if not mainstream, at least pretty high class, uh, in, in Fred's case, completely uh, top drawer museums and uh, everything. And his work is extremely visionary, extremely psychedelic. He contains psychedelics in, embedded in the resin of his works. And um, he's, you know, it, it's not too secretive, you know, what it takes to be part of the contemporary art world. I mean, uh, it, you gotta probably live in New York or Los Angeles uh, and uh, have, you know, friends, you get friends who are artists and things like that, and they introduce you to uh, their galleries and stuff, and you eventually, if you resonate with it, and the gallery owner resonates with your work, then uh, you may strike up a relationship. And I do think that uh, the the mind is up for grabs in contemporary art, and I am a stand for uh, this uh, the visionary art meme and its importance that we created a microcosm gallery to show it. And uh, so we are a gallery in New York City huh? that, that uh, ha shows uh, contemporary sacred visionary art. And we are interested in your work if you feel like your work resonates on that level. Uh, okay. I, I want to say something to do with microcosm gallery too because yes, there is a visionary art gallery in New York. It's Microcosm Gallery. It's the size of a postage stamp, okay? And but we've shown some amazing people there. Some of them are here, and we'd like to show some other amazing people there. Some of them are over here. So there's, there are people in our community who are showing there now. Absolutely, like right this minute, we have a summer group show of people, and most of them are here. Anyway, here's my here's my invitation to you. Put your art bucks into visionary art, okay? We are a community that's growing. It's a pyramid scheme, you know? We're growing. And some of us may have a few extra dollars left over, and we want to make things beautiful around the place. Spend it on visionary art. And definitely, definitely, I mean, it's self-serving. Come to Microcosm Gallery. If you, if you buy my visionary art, my gallery's going to grow. And then I'm going to be able to show more artists there. And we'll have more visionary art in New York. It's a pyramid scheme. Let's do it together. You know, let's all show great visionary art in New York. You know, we're growing. That's it. I know. Well, Walt, uh, Robert Williams uh, has, uh, along with his friend, started the Juxtapose magazine. And that is also another alternative visionary uh, source. And uh, we ourselves have this Cosm Journal, uh, and, and this is the Entheo Arts issue. Uh, Bob and Martina are in this issue, and a number of uh, the artists that are here. And uh, so we, we celebrate it and spread it around, you know, and... Uh, it is definitely penetrate. Th this culture is so much more psychedelic. It knows what that means, you know. Uh, it's been dosed. It's there's no going back, you know. And uh, so we just need to create, you know, being little fungi and and uh, popping up all over, you know, in whatever ways. Be mushrooming. Yeah. Uh, I just want to throw my two cents in here. Uh, yeah, there's always been a, a great gap between uh, visionary art, which has always been marginalized, and the world of commerce, but the internet is changing all that. 
you know, all these young artists I know, they're all building their websites, they're learning how to uh, promote themselves and to get it out there. And as a result, I think this is going to change the world of, of commerce. Because they're, you know, only interested in bottom line. So if they see that the artists out there are selling a bunch of stuff off their website, uh, you can check all that today, it's very simple. They're going to start bending and leaning towards the visionary art. And, but it's also a matter of consciousness. If you don't have the consciousness to see it, it doesn't exist. So it's a matter of elevating consciousness. And that's what we're, we're doing, you know. It's sort of a subterfuge in a way. But we have to uh, elevate consciousness. And not necessarily through uh, psychedelics all the time. You can do it in other magical ways. So fast, I must admit. But <laughs> anyway. So we're getting there. We're really getting there, I feel that. going to have to stop here for today because I'm trying to keep these podcasts to about an hour each. But I am going to start working on the second half of this program tomorrow and should have it out in the next day or so. Again, I'm sorry about the audio quality of my recording, but here's one way to think about it. If you were in the big tent at Theon Village on the afternoon of this art panel, well then, what you just heard was pretty much the way it sounded to us in the tent that day because I made the recording by just turning on my cassette recorder where I was sitting. Had I actually succeeded in capturing the audio directly from the mixing board, you would, of course, have been able to hear these great visionary artists without straining so much. But then again, you would have missed a lot of the ambiance in the tent that day. So I guess it's always a trade-off of one kind or another. But even if the sound quality wasn't the best, what these interesting artists had to say was top-notch, don't you think? I really liked what Alex had to say about one function of visionary art being to validate other people's experiences. I know that on many occasions I've found myself and my friends pulling out a book of visionary art and saying, There! That's what it was like for me! And, in a way, it gives us a form of language to talk about our journeys into the other. And I think I mentioned this in an earlier podcast, how important I believe it is to follow Allison's suggestion and create a sacred space in your own home to uh, honor the source and the source of our creativity. And among the many interesting ideas Martina shared with us, the one that hit home with me was her advice to not underestimate your own creativity. And I believe she's right in saying that our potential is limitless, particularly if, as she suggested, we allow one another to become co-creators as well. And (laughs) didn't you love Roberto's remark that Salvador Dali would have loved Burning Man? I'd never thought about that before, but I'm sure he's right. Also, uh, since I'm not a visual artist myself, it was really interesting for me to hear Roberto's description of the act of painting as an act of meditation and an act of love in which uh, the artist can actually channel energy coming from higher forces. And hearing that description of their work, uh, their, their way they work, has actually added an entirely new dimension to the way I view their art now, and I'm sure it will for you as well. 
And, uh, well, there's about another hour of question and answer on the rest of the tape, so I'll sign off for now and get to work on the second part of this Palenque Norte discussion at the 2006 Burning Man Festival. My thanks again go out to Darren, Mark, Michael, Brian, and the rest of the Entheon crew and supporters. And also thanks to Chateau Hayuk for the use of your music here in the Psychedelic Salon. And now I'd, I'd like to leave you to think about an interesting comment that Alex Gray made near the end of this program when he was talking about the fact that our culture already knows what psychedelic means. And then he said, speaking again about our culture, he said, it's been dosed. There's no going back. <laughs> and if you've ever been dosed, you know there's no going back. And when you think about it, yeah, you know he's right. So hang on to your magic carpets because it looks like our ride is about to get even more interesting. For now, this is Lorenzo signing off from Cyberdelic Space. Be well, my friends. <laughs>